Welcome back, pop culture theologians. Oh boy, do we have a special episode for you. Um, before we get in and reveal our, our special episode, make sure you're following us on social media at Pop Theologians. You can follow me at my basic handle, jerickson85. Um, but be, without further ado, I'm just so excited that our special episode today is going to be covering Tiger King, Murder, Mayhem, and Madness. And we have two very special guests who have been on the pod before, um, Anjanette and, and Kirsten. Oh my goodness gracious. Hi, Anjanette and Kirsten. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, Anjanette, um, because you don't have Twitter, where can we follow you on social media? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you can follow me on Barcelona Ange on Instagram, or I'm also um, a monthly contributor on the feminismandreligion.com blog. Um, so you can find me, um, I believe my website on there is Grad Ange, um, and I talk about that. And that's where you can find me. And you're still right a now. Tumblr, right? I'm still a Tumblr. Um, yes, Tumblr is my access to all things that are pseudo dark on the internet and fandom galore and not dark web um, stuff like calling hits on people perhaps your husband right no well i mean sometimes um sometimes that's where it happens on tumblr but mainly it's where like all the true hardcore fandoms it happens where you get the pulse of what people really 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 ship on shows and the world and the state of being it's on tumblr man awesome and kirsten you've been on the pod before the mother of dragons herself kirsten gerties where can we follow you and find you and tell us a little bit about yourself you can find me on twitter i my handle is at cursed to wander so k-i-r-s-t the number two and then wander i let's see what am i doing i'm teaching a lot of classes uh, online now because that's how everyone is teaching a lot of classes and helping my coworkers figure out how to do a Zoom, for instance, and how to set up their online classes. So that's basically what I'm doing. That and finishing my dissertation because it is an albatross at this point. <laughs> and posting all things sassy on social media. I do post all things sassy. And I do also kind of find myself, I don't know if either of you are on TikTok, but I did start a TikTok account not because I'm posting videos, but because they're actually really funny and help me stay afloat on what my students are finding interesting and how they're coming up with new ways to cheat in online teaching. Mm. So, um, you know, useful. Yeah. Hashtag uh, real life. Hashtag real life. Hashtag PhD probs. Marcy and I have spoken at length about TikTok on the pod before, and uh, I um, don't have a TikTok account. I just follow and like look at the videos as scrolling through um it is addicting and it is all things in the future it's crazy i also, follow I, it a lot because it comes on instagram so and yeah. the tumblr i tell you yeah we're all this related is why I don't get i don't have twitter yet because tumblr sustains me apparently twitter is where i get my news and i usually hear things before they get published other yeah. places Twitter is the best source for political and like news stuff right now because these people are hitting it like no one's business. I mean, like I'm seeing things quickly and and kudos to like L.A. County Public Health Department for putting out their numbers before they send out the press release. Five hundred and thirty eight new cases of the Rona um, today. Uh, but that's a good thing because we're testing more and people are finding out what's going on. So I continue to stay optimistic and positive that we will overcome this horrible thing. But speaking of, uh, this is one of our favorite sections of the podcast that we do every week called What the F*** Happened This Week. And the number one thing that has happened still is that we're still living in the time of Rona. Uh, it has made my life busier for some reason, but what about you all? I'm definitely busier. I find myself, I actually was explaining as an introvert, someone who I can be with people, I'm not necessarily shy around people, but I definitely recharge by being by myself. So be, to being a teacher, being in front of the student, my students all day or having faculty meetings or whatever, like that can be draining, but I come home and it's fine. But now in this world, it's like my home is my work. I find myself having more face-to-face -face 
time on Zoom than I've ever had in the past. And it takes way more energy for me to be like excited on Zoom and to like keep my energy up. So I find I'm just drained by the end of the day. Yeah. So I found that I've had to, um, it's created an interesting space to talk about grief and trauma and loss um, and what it means to be productive in the day. Because um, a lot of people that are being forced at home have now come to me and asked me, how did you do this when you were doing your PhD? And how did you work from home? And how did you keep up these things? And, and how did you not just stay in your pajamas and sleep all day and eat all day? And, and, and then l- grieving, really creating a space of how do we grieve what we've lost in a day-to-day basis of what we didn't think was essential um and creating a space for talking about trauma um and what this this is creating a a generation of trauma um of what COVID-19 is and how not just like people that are dying or people that are living through it or being forced away from family members, but I have a friend, my best friend's a doula and um, her business is basically, you know, non-existent because mothers are being forced to, to have children without their support systems because they're not allowed to bring anyone in Mm -hmm. Um, or people are dying without loved ones because they're not allowed in nursing homes. And so there's all this trauma and grief that has really brought to head because of Rona, 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 Rona. Yeah. And so it's, I've had to like create spaces for those kinds of conversations because people have been seeking me out for that. And it's been trying to process that for other people and processing it for myself has been really interesting. And this is why Netflix and um, Amazon Prime has become like my solace. Yeah, I just recognize my privilege during this time, right? Like I have, I can work from home. I am working from home. You know, I have access to technology. You know, I have uh, income, stuff like that. And so we just have to keep fighting. And that's what I'm focusing on now is advocacy for renters and people who are just workers, grocery store people, hotel workers. I mean, everything is just awful. Living in the time of Rona, hopefully... uh, when you all come back on the pod again for some random episode of some random series on Netflix that takes the country by storm, uh, <laughs> we're not still via Zoom. Or maybe we will be because maybe for once our society will finally realize that like, maybe I don't need to work in an office five days a week. It can contribute to traffic and smog and I can work remotely for two days or, uh, you know, I think the world is going to change. So who knows? Um, but the one thing that we know won't change uh, is the second thing for what the happened this week is that president trump will actually kill us all i honestly i obviously have never been a fan of his and i i'm shocked to hear that kirsten right i know and have said a lot of things about him in the past and i think i watched an episode of john oliver that he he put up from this last sunday in which he said basically what I, a sentiment I'm echoing right now, which is I've never been a fan of his, but I would be lying to say I wasn't rooting for him to do something good during this time. Like, despite disagreeing with a lot of policy and politics and whatever, like this is beyond policy and politics and, or it should be anyway. And the fact that it's not is really disheartening. And I, I feel that on a personal level because while like our, we live in a state that has been proactive, as proactive as any of the other states have been. Um, There are a lot of places in the country that haven't been because so many people have been following. Right. Well, in Arizona, right, where my family lives. And so, and they happen to be like conservative evangelicals who are, you know, we're questioning whether or not they should be canceling services. And we just saw two pastors in Florida and in Louisiana hold services on Sunday. One of them got arrested. Like they're so like from this religious standpoint, right? Like you, the three of us could have this conversation about kind of deconstructing this theology that leads people to, you know, um, leads people to this. But I feel like if the president had had, uh, had been acting in people's best interest as opposed to the market's best interest or his own best interest for this whole time, 
Because we he as knew a in January. We remind right. people that he knew in January. No, absolutely. And and but downplayed the it. Were, he knew in December. He knew in December because he, when he I knows. was flying to Thailand in January, there was a rumor. I flew to Thailand on January 3rd. And when I landed in China and Shanghai, they were on massive alert in the airport. Um, and so th- this has been brewing long before. Um, and, and he knew very, very early on that this was not um, the standard flu. I'm sure that he was told this, right? This is the, this is the problem is that you have a president who isn't, who isn't really a strong leader who basically is letting people tell him what should be done. And the only thing he really cares about is his own reputation and his reelection. So I don't know. Like, I just, I feel like if my, cause I know that my parents were basically waiting for some kind of top down leadership to say, no, this is what's in the best interest of everyone. Their rhetoric on whether they were going to continue to hold services at their church in Arizona was basically following the lead of the president. There was no lead there. They have a terrible governor. Hashtag Doug to the douchebag Ducey. Um, And so, so like he, I just feel like they had no leadership and they thought everything was going to be okay because that's what they're being told. And so that to me is, it's an alarming thing because yes, the political aspect of this is, I mean, it's terrible, it's, but it's like a life, it's a human life and quality and I don't know, it yeah. just, I'm disheartened and annoyed and frustrated and it, you feel helpless, right? Because you're just stuck at home and I can just, I can try to you know, yell at my family to stay home over FaceTime, but what are they going to do? Yeah. Well, I live, I see it, like, it's, it's interesting too, because like I live in Fresno, which is a pro-Trump city. And I am currently with my parents who are also pro-Trump and believe that he's doing a great job for this nation, even currently today. Um, and because I've been unemployed for the last couple of months, my unemployment check is more than what he's going to be giving people as a relief fund, which is beyond ridiculous. Like, and it's just a one-time payment. Whereas I was getting this check twice a week or twice a month. And he thinks that that's going to sustain people for six months, $1,200. You can't, that's not even rent in, in half of this nation, let alone food, car bills, insurance. Yeah. Like, and, and then there are people like what, like, what, what is that? Yeah. And then there are people that live in Los Angeles like me who make more than what the maximum, for example, is that you can get, you know, but you know, at the end of the day, making what I make in LA is, you know, the fact that, you know, to make that is still to be like lower middle class and the ways in which like rent is still $1,400 food is still $300 if you buy groceries, food is also like then $1,000 if you're a gay man and order out every day and have uh, social requirements and what restaurants you have to go to weekly. Um, otherwise, they'll forget about you. And gym memberships and everything that we do. I mean, that's the thing, right? Like, at, like in Wisconsin, though, like that money definitely does help other places. And so, you know, I will say this much, though. Never let a politician tell you that something can't be done anymore because guess what? It can be done and they just didn't want to or couldn't do it uh, before. And uh, so so with uh, someone... Shout out to all those knitters, all those crafters that are making and sewing all those masks and all those handymen that are making all those plastic shields. Mm. Well, speaking of needing a plastic shield, um, I think (laughs) it's time that we uh, discuss what the episode we all came here for uh, that we're all talking about on social media. Um, uh, Tiger King, murder, mayhem, and madness. So the Netflix synopsis of this says... A zoo owner spirals out of control amid a cast of eccentric characters in this true murder-for-hire story from the underworld of big cat breeding. (laughs) That definitely sums up the whole show. We're done. We can go home. I know. (laughs) You got to add in drugs. Drugs, revenge. Polygamous cults. Polygamous cults. Exploring whiteness. And bad teeth. And bad teeth. (laughs) And whiteness. Okay, but the first and heterosexual question, 
um, toxic masculinity. Oof, preach it, girl. But the first question that's everyone's going to ask us is, did Carol Baskins kill her husband, Kirsten? I don't know. Honestly, I... I really don't know. Like, I know everyone's saying she did, but I'm like, don't you think, does she strike you as the kind of person who would be able to get rid of every single shred of evidence? Yes. Yes. Really? 100%. I mean, she, first of all, let's just talk about it. She lives in Florida. You can take that dang body, not only feed it to the cats, but then you can take it into the Everglades and give it to the alligators. So, Anjanette, you don't think she killed her husband? I am 100% on the train of Carol Baskins killed her first husband. But do I, I mean, is that really in the grand scheme of this series, the true big question? No, (laughs) it's the byproduct of a really great storyteller is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely think she killed her husband. I think, like, when I look back at, like, history and how, like, people, like, didn't have technology available or there are certain things that, like, we have available today where we're kind of like, oh, there's no way. But, but back then, like, I don't know. I definitely think she didn't do it by herself. I don't think she could oh, have yeah. done it she by herself. But, That's um, what I'm saying. I, I definitely but, think. But, I mean, I used she- to work in a law office and no one in estate planning like I've never seen a will that has included and disappearance into their payoff schemes. Like that's not, no. And wasn't that, I thought that was changed though after he disappeared, right? Isn't that the way it goes? I thought that's that it the was. the will she brought forth. That was not the will right, that but, his Right, because she went in had. there, she, she went in there to take it out. But that was to after he had disappeared. Yeah, yeah. so that it, it had it in there so that she would get the payout. Right. So, listeners, how we are going to break down every, oh my God, every aspect of this show is that we each kind of submitted top points on things that we want to deconstruct, and we're going to feed off of each other and kind of add on here or there. Um, But this conversation goes right into the first point of kind of the conversation we're already having, and it's Kirsten's, is that how documentarians' exploitation of these individuals as caricatures. And so I think Carol, Joe Exotic, Doc Antle, all these people are now no longer their like person, like their actual person. They are now the characters of which they actually want to be. She is Carol Baskins. He is Joe Exotic. You know, he is Doc Antle, like the figurehead of this polygamous cult that we'll get to. But like, yeah, I mean, like it's the same way with how like Marcy and Avs talk about uh, like, do you define Tiger King as camp? And I think the answer is yes. And the ways in which um, how you look at documentarians that did this with like Grey Gardens or how they do it with like religious leaders, like cult leaders and how they use that like exploitation of them as like grander characters than actually they are because of that personality. What do we think about uh, these characters that we've come to be obsessed with? I, well, the reason I asked this question is because I had seen in my social media feeds a minority voice, mind you, because pretty much anyone talking about Tiger King was just hyping it and, you know, had a bunch of jaw-dropped, jaw-dropping animated GIFs on there. But there were a minority of voices who said, I couldn't make it past the, the first 30 minutes of episode one. And for various reasons, including the harm to animals, including the way in which these people are sort of set up as caricatures to be mocked and laughed at like a caricature of a certain portion of the country, a kind of regional um, discrimination, maybe. Um, But I found, and I don't know if you found this, I found some of the ethics of what the documentarians were doing a little questionable. So, like, I realized that Oklahoma is, like, a one-party consent state for recording, which is why he could do a bunch of, like, secret recordings but I also am like, I'm not sure I feel okay about the way in which he went it and the way in which he was inserting himself in the narrative um, because he was frequently seen sort of prodding and poking and sort of drawing out the drama. If you go to the website for Big Cat Rescue and the, I don't know if you read through Carol Baskin's refutation of Tiger King, which I did sort of skim through. 
one of the things you're always the academic who does her research (laughs) i cannot help it it is i I did too (laughs) so one of the things she says is that the documentarians approached her and said we want to make the blackfish about big cats and big cat exotic animal trade in the u.s and i was like this doesn't feel like like this doesn't at all feel like this a is blackfish. Not blackfish. blackfish. No, it is not the same thing. And so the documentarians either lied or they saw that they could capitalize on the characters that they met through this. And then, so my question is like, yes, this is crazy. And for most of us, like even if you knew that there was an exotic exotic animal trade, which I did, right? Like I know that that's a thing. But to realize like how these character characters and like how they are and watch them sort of through the way the documentarians treated them. To me, I was actually pretty irritated at the documentarian. Um, and now we have these caricatures and they are right. Like they are characters. I feel like it's not like they were edited to make them look a certain way necessarily. Um, but I don't know what we do with that because it's also a crazy story that I'm really glad that I watched all the way to the end because it's an insane ride. Yeah. I mean, the, the, didn't they? There is an article that says that the documentary um, team, because it's a two-person team, um, said that the course of what they were filming changed once this whole murder plot thing happened. And so it'd be really fascinating to be able to get a hold of the the material that they were, you know, collecting and editing before that shift happened to see if they were trying to legitimately make a big fish on the big cat cat trade. Um, and then because of these explosive characters, um, and their crazy lifestyles and, um, whatnot kind of refocused how they went about it because like Doc Antle is just bizarre in the beginning from beginning and end and so was the um the cuban that they interviewed that they had to get on board you know they had to get a secret meeting onto their compound like they are above and beyond normal human beings and so it doesn't surprise me that a lot of the series is so over the top in the caricature campy feel so that would be really is this the psychology of a person who is like yes i want to have these giant felines as pets like the kind of person who says yes i want to start a compound and have these you know animals that could kill me and my family um is that a certain kind of personality like does it attract right i think i think it plays into the the impetus like one of my questions is like where do we draw the line between what we saw in tiger king to what we do in zoos. Um, oh, I, I said to my husband, I was like, zoos to me, I mean, they're it's not the same really, thing. It isn't. It's not any different. It's just privately owned. It's just, or oh, he has his own funding. zoo in his own home instead of going to the city zoo where they're still locked up in cages. Um, and I think that's where I would have wished that the documentary series would have looked at the actual facility that Carol Baskins had because it might have shown how maybe she is completely different than the other ones because of the space or does she keep them in cages like everyone else does um that i think that matters and this fits into the ways in which zoos and how um these owners and these individuals as characters try to capitalize off of their new persona or the business opportunity or for example american capitalism to further their like supply and demand i mean they all fit into like this you know a worldwide tiger trading exotic animal trading capitalistic scheme but ultimately how they try to exploit the system while the system is still exploiting them you know and i think um like the favorite topic that kirsten always loves to talk about uh capitalism you know this is a perfect example of how capitalism um is used by i think or try attempted to be used by individuals from lower economic statuses to try to get out of the quote-unquote world that they're born into to seek higher refuge and how they exploit it either through creating a what is it that doc Annell calls it like his volunteer program for his new wives and maybe no, that's creating, carol baskins well whatever yeah, carol it is baskins they all volunteer. do it right but like and how doc they all Antle has the harem 
Yeah. I mean, but they all fit into these theories. Yeah, the interns, right? And how they each try to scam the system, but ultimately they're just victims of the system themselves. No, I mean, I think that's exactly the point is that capitalism has gotten to the point where people, you know, it it turns people into, uh, like, when you believe that this is the, the way to live the quote unquote American life is that you need to to get an, a lot of money to be happy because and the way in which you do that is through these you know how can i how can i capitalize even using the word how can i capitalize on this how can i get people to give me money how can i get rich how can i you know even the getting famous i think i i do think for joe exotic his desire to be famous went beyond getting money for it but i think the money was a big part of it and i think if you lived in a society in which people's basic needs were taken care of if people had a living wage if people had a social safety net you would see far fewer of these. Not that you wouldn't see them at all, but I think you would see far fewer of them. And I think um, it's just that the the U.S. is sort of this weird place that opens up the possibility for a bunch of various ideas to sort of converge to create basically the conditions of possibility of something like what happened. So I want to talk about that because that kind of leads into a few of my points and how we are examining whiteness I think throughout the series but then ultimately how we are examining um, the the traps that I think society fits but here we have the idea that if we had a social safety net if we had people with a, a stable economic incomes health insurance etc um they would be able to achieve these things that you know help them in life right but what we also then have is the re- the inverse right joe exotic and these individuals are what i'm taking is most likely identifying as more conservative uh potentially trump voters right and so would they be for or against the type of social safety nets that could ultimately uplift them into the world in which you know they are trying to achieve and get the levels of which they could survive in but then they ultimately don't believe in those and support those types of policies it's like almost that quote that we always hear the genius of the republican party is that they convince people to vote against their best interests and i think that that's what we have a perfect example here and so like how does conservatism like conservatism um however i said that but then breaking down how we examine whiteness and class um, because these white people are ultimately getting able to pass and abuse the system of capitalism and people of color, you know, they would probably have been prosecuted more. If Carol Baskins would have been a person of color, she definitely would have been in jail. I mean, just the ways in which this it continues to just show that no matter what level of societal economic income you're at, if you're still a white person, you know, you still have certain privileges that are born onto you. I don't know. I think it's also really fascinating, like to your point of where all of these sanctuaries, you know, these habitats, I'm just going to call them habitats because they're not sanctuaries. They're not reservations. Habitats are, you know, they're in Oklahoma, South Carolina, Florida. Um, And that says a lot. Ohio. Oh, and Ohio. um, Which one's in Ohio? There were a couple people that were interviewed early on in the series that were in Ohio, but not the main ones that they interviewed, but there were some, and that's where the tiger massacre happened in Zanesville, Ohio. That's right. Where our, you know, friend of the podcast, Kate, um, Kate Davis, she and her husband lived in Zanesville. Um, They, she talked about that and said that it was a pretty horrible, um, you know, event where this guy had a bunch of big cats and then turned them loose and they all had to be basically euthanized, euthanized and yeah. he he ended up shooting himself, like killed himself. So anyway, sorry. so I mean, so that so like those those states also have un very very they're very very common to have underrepresented uh, minorities. They have a high um, range of drug use, of homelessness, of mental health of our unreported mental health. And so it's a breeding ground for what your, your point to John is that they're like conservatism is able to almost prey on all of these vulnerable people, (laughs) you know, and and if, if we're talking about tiger King, we got to talk about the predatory nature of not just the animals, but of Joe exotic and his 
Gaiman, of Doc Antle and his harems, but of conservatism, of how it literally preyed on all of these um, people to say, this is how you get out of poverty. This is how you, this is how you have a get access to drugs, good drugs. This is how you get access to power and privilege and social um, status. And social status. And it really, really, and then it's also the whole other nature of exhibitism, if that's even a word, of that people buy into, thank you, of to buy into tickets to go to these habitats, that they pay money to go see Doc Antle, to go see Carol Baskin's animals, that they went to Oklahoma to the Wynwood Zoo to go take a picture. I mean, Shaquille Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal. Or the fact that both Doc Antle and Joe Exotic were part of the Hollywood trade. Yeah, like, it was Doc animals Antle in Britney Spears' VMA performance. The, yes, and his animals are in movies of Ace Ventura, Mighty Joe Young, um, The Jungle Book. Like he has a va- you know a vast number of movies that his animals took part in, as well as Joe Exotic. And so, yeah, I think your point is very, very valid and very important. Let's well, talk think- about the predatory nature, though, because that's a great oh. point, Anjanette. And like, and let's use your example, Tyler, for example, on how Travis, pred- Travis, Traver- Travis, Travis, sorry, not Tyler. Um, although I'm sure there might be a Tyler, we don't know. Um, but Travis, and ultimately, what happens to him? And spoiler alert: we should have said this at the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Like, if you haven't seen it, like we're spoiling some shit, maybe here. Uh, but break down Travis in this. No, this one's narrative. a big one. Like, so there has to be a level of, I, I believe the, his Joe Exotics campaign manager brought up, or maybe it was the, his old um, film director brought up and, and actually called Joe Exotic a predator and said that he honed in on young boys, young men. Um, most often than not, they had a drug problem. And then brought and then either doped them up or gave them a lifestyle and then used them as his boy toys. And Travis, poor surfer dude bro from California, who, who clearly was so had cute. a meth habit. He was so cute. He was he had a huge meth habit, meth habit. And over the course of three episodes, you know, if you're an astute watcher, you know something happens to him from the first episode because he is not one that gets interviewed at all in the cameras. They interview Joe Finley, the toothless, shirtless, tattooed um, husband, ex-husband, spoiler alert, of Joe Exotic, and everyone else under the sun but they never interview Travis. And, and so if you're a astute watcher, you know, something's up. And then by the third or fourth episode, you get to watch. Um, although you don't actually see him do it, but you see you're in the room watching the video of him shooting himself when he was probably clearly high Yeah, and kills himself. And then you get to watch, which is like one of the most steam rolling, moments of the series is when Joe Exotic has the funeral for Travis and proceeds to eulogize him where it's almost like um, a showboating. It was mocking. I felt like it was uh, hilarious. It was, it was mocking, but it was also like, um, but like I, I had him and he was so great and I'm the, I'm this great person and, and proceeded to talk to like, I even rewatched that funeral scene and I have it written down of how he eulogized his supposed husband and said that it didn't matter how stupid he was, he'd always make me smile, even by running and rubbing his balls in my face. And everyone that works here knows has seen his balls. They were golden nuggets. And you're just all like, and his poor mother, who also clearly has a drug habit of her own, is sitting in there and having to hear her son be eulogized about his private parts. I mean, and then he it finds out that he's not even gay. And well, none of Joe them Exotic are. marries two non-gay people. Well, and the and thing then is, he also though, marries that, a, another young person. Like his current husband right now is like under the age of twenty-five. Right, and I think the issue that 
there goes back to like something we've already said is that the predatory nature of this is it's not just that he finds those who are looking for um, like an easy way to get drugs, someone to take care of them and they'll, you know, sort of pimp themselves out to get whatever it is that they need. But he imprisoned them mm-hmm. in that in that too. Like he Tom wouldn't Bound. let them leave. And so right. in that way, like, as I said, like, I know um, AJ is talking about the the predatory nature of it. And my kind of point on this was that this is a really toxic view of masculinity of like mm-hmm. um, Joe exotic needing to be sort of like an alpha. And there is something that I think kind of plays into that with the way in which they interact with the animals as well. And so like this, this toxic masculinity isn't something that just affects, you know, like heterosexual or heteronormative couples, but it's something that's bad for everyone. As I said, it's bad for everyone, gay throuples included. Like, so I, I it makes you wonder, like, was that a way that he was able to negotiate living in Oklahoma of being a gay man, of being a very, what it seemed like was an open gay man, but it was okay because he had a gun strapped to his leg. He wore jeans and boots. Um, He clearly liked booze and drugs. He liked sex. So like he played into that whole hyper masculine, you know, heterosexual male energy viewpoint, but then, you know, and, and clearly played the top, I'm going to be the, you know, the man and my younger boys are actually almost like women. And so I'm playing into this. And that, I think I'm I'm wondering if that was part of Oklahoma, like that, the whole, but I mean, toxic masculinity is everywhere in the, in this world. So maybe it's not just Oklahoma. And it, contributes I don't to want the any ways, Oklahoma haters out there. Well, it's it's gonna happen. Uh but it you know, it contributes to the ways in which toxic masculinity is not only seen through a heteronormative lens, but also a homonormative lens, right? And that mm-hmm. um and a point that we've all want to talk about is ultimately the rampant misogyny of Joe Exotic, of whatever the other guy that comes in and buys a zoo of Doc Antle, Jeff Lewis, Lewis, of Doc Antle, of these men towards women, specifically Carol Baskins as their number one enemy. So there's that breakdown. Ultimately, then how they treat other women in their lives, like you see with Jeff Lewis and how he treats his quote unquote wife or whatever she is. And then ultimately, then how Joe Exotic tries to uh, reflect that type of control or masculinity because I think he himself has it. Or Doc Antle's harem. Or Doc Antle's harem. But Joe Exotic then trying to be the quote-unquote man with these other with these other men who are also struggling with what it means to be gay, possibly conservative, living in the South, um, the Bible Belt even, um, and how that all comes out. And what we ultimately see is it comes out in forms of abuse, substance abuse or actual abuse, or then ultimately violence with what Joe tries to do to Carol. Or what multiple people try to do to Carol. I don't know how many people were in on that plot, personally. I mean... There were yeah. several of them. But, I mean, it's... Like, when you watch the video footage of Joe Exotic talking about Carol from his internet show and stuff, it's it's appalling. And I think when you then hear the way in which the other people talk about her, even if they're not on camera saying the same thing he did, and you even hear the interview towards the end, I think in the either penultimate or the last episode from Jeff, in which he's like, did I egg him on? Sure. I mean, that bitch was a problem for all of us. But so like, they all want to say like, I wasn't serious about it. We never intended to follow through, but it's very clear that in each of those instances, like they have pasts, they have not treated women well. They have histories of abuse, domestic violence. They, I just, I feel like, I mean, the one guy who becomes the informant and is like a strip club owner, um, you know, and things like this. So, I mean, just. And some random toy shop. I'm still unsure about no, what No, he had an animal does. shop. He had an animal shop because they caught him on 
Um, the, how they got him on board was because he got caught having illegal lemurs. Oh, as one does. We were able to flip them. Because I, I was all like, who is this? To what? What? And Jeanette follows him on Tumblr. He's on Tumblr. When she talked about the dark <laughs> web crap, she she found that guy with like the bowl haircut or whatever he is. Well, and so, was like, oh, so like, follow. So like, duck. Well, that's how I had to find some things on like Doc Antle because his, like, I was all like, what is this? Why does he have Hindu Indian names? And how is he claiming all of this? And the only people that had answers were Tumblr because all of the things that he has on his website are all lies or all false, or you can't find them. You can't verify them online. So this so is, you, this is I'm the, actually, so good. So like Kirsten go, and then let's talk no, about I was the gonna theology. Ask, like, so like, I was going to say, did you sort of look up or figure out his backstory? Cause they don't really give a backstory as to how did he convert to some okay, sort of. So here's the skinny on preach apparently. it. Anjanette, preach it. Um, his mother was like one of those 70s um, loving all things Eastern and like lived on a commune that they were all about yoga and, and, and. Was it the rock. one in Wild Wild Country? So this is the thing that I was like, what is Netflix and you and talking about how, the, how America just completely and utterly appropriates all things east and then destroys it with wild wild country and rajneesh i'm watching rajneesh. that this week during the quarantine i'm totally I mean, watching that i've done so much research on that so if you wanted to do another series i will i will do that for you as well so he got involved with yoganindra's writings um and his real name i think is philip but changed he looks it like to philip yeah, changed it to Maha um, Mahamaya via Bhagavan Antle, which Bhagavan is also the name of Rajneesh. It's Bhagwan. It's the Hindi version, um, which means Lord, which is so weird. Um, but he said that he got his medical degree from the Christian Science Foundation, which does not exist. I, I can't prove where that's from. <laughs> So I don't know where he got his medical degree from. Um, and he named all of his harem women Eastern names. So there's Moksha, which is the illusion of this world. Um, China is, I think, another one. Um, Ravna was another one. Aisha was another name. These are all Eastern names. Um, and he's created this, like, assumption of this is how the east works and all have these harems of women and the tiger is also a very very prominent icon in india so the tiger is a um, that's the vehicle the of the goddess durga and um, she rides on top of the tiger um also one of the most famous rebellion leaders in indian um history is the king of mysore um and Tipu Sultan had um, a tiger that used to eat British soldiers during, um, before the British Raj, and it's called Tipu's you do. Tiger. And if you ever, if you're in London and be after the Rona, go to the um, Victoria Albert Museum and you'll be able to see Tipu's Tiger. It's awesome. So the tiger is really, really big. And so I think that's where his love of tigers is this bastardization appropriation of the east for for doc antle um which happens a lot in the west because we are the pop culture theologians i do want to just break down religion here i myself am still trying to figure out what the theology of the westboro baptist church is and like uh all these new groups in some way shape or form that Form. Like they don't have a theology, but what aspects of Doc Antle's harem, church, religion are even religious? And is he just exploiting religion or whatever his internship program is to enter into this it's like very, Eastern lifestyle? Very, yeah, it's very akin to like the um, a bastardization of the Bhakti um, traditions in Indian and, and um, in Hindu and Buddhist traditions where the, the master and the student, they have this dynamic relationship. And this is where you get um, a, a, 
a per like a purview of potentially sexual relationships can happen because sexual energy can be a vehicle for gaining insight of going further in to knowledge and to realms. It's not the and like so, shakti. So shakti is an energy. So um, kundalini is where you would have a lot of this sexual energy, sexual relationship. And so his, especially with the using Bhagavan as his title, and then he has all of these women, all of these interns, um, and he sets them up in all these different homes is very akin to um, what you would see in inappropriate bhakti kundalini practices um, of using that master student um, sexual male female energy and then there's also a, a combination of animals and certain animals have energies when you when you deal with mysticism so kundalini is very much a mystic mystical religion um, but also like kabbalah in judaism has that mystical aspect um but there's this belief that an animals have a certain energy um and if you can tap into those energies so if you have access to certain animals you have access to that energy and tigers as i was saying is a very important animal in india um and so that's a very big um aspect and it shows that you're royalty because you have tigers and you have lions and and you have he's he's dark got doc Antel started breeding ligers which happened in the first liger happened in india by a white frenchman in the 1800s um which also brings up colonialism and imperialism um if we want to talk about go down that road because that's really interesting is that the first aspects of inappropriate breeding was by the white man in foreign countries um yeah. so yeah there's so my that. my question is like if it's like clearly like aj is our expert on all things uh hindu and, and tumblr and well <laughs> and tumblr um and so all of this is really fascinating to me so because I, I know like a piece of it from you know teaching my world religions class but not all of the details and my question, like the series doesn't touch on this at all. And it, you know, like you get that one scene where they ask whoever, whichever of his harem it is, like what is his degree in? And the person's like mystical sciences. Like <laughs> that's my PhD. Is, <laughs> that's what my PhD, mystical sciences. I just tell right? people that now. So I just, they, there's no discussion of like the relationship between his love of and obsession with big cats and sort of this whole persona he's created around whatever his religious belief is. I don't get the sense that he's necessarily using, like I do think he probably is fully invested, really has either deluded himself um, or really believes whatever it is, but it is a bastardization of, because that's of, you know, Hindu theology, Hindu mythology. And I, I nobody talks well, about that. If, he, if it's like, true that he got his degrees in China, then you also have to bring up Chinese folklore medicine and how they use animals in their medicine. Um, so that could also have been where he entered yeah. into this whole thing. But I mean, it is an appropriation. Oh, yeah, and it's just sure. another way in which, you know, all of us who are still skeptical of religion, you know, when we see it through the lens of pop culture and how us on the outside just continue to see how religion is used to exploit people who are searching for something, who are searching for a charismatic leader who then literally not only locks them in cages, because I feel like there's something really metaphorical that's not a word, but metaphoric about the ways in which they lock their gates to their like compounds in a way, like by locking everyone in. Um, and that, you know, religion itself is, is there to provide whatever it provides for people. But then just like in any way, but in this truly American way, uh, we see uh, white men who are traditionally the culprits. Um, or yeah, white men, usually white heterosexual men, but in, in not in Joe Exotic's case, uh, use it to prey on people to meet their needs, to get whatever they need to, and 
and and create structures of cultish like behaviors so people can't get out. I mean, it's it's very scary in a lot of ways. It feeds into one of the other things I think sort of runs through the show, which is this idea of American exceptionalism that you know, the U.S. has is the best country that has ever existed. It does things the best. It produces things the best. It Except for COVID-19 tests. <laughs> no, we are on top of that, according to our president. And if you want a test, you can absolutely get one. Just go hashtag, to your local hospital right yeah, now. Like hashtag lies. Um, so like the one of the things I remember hearing, and I don't remember which of the big cat people it was, and I don't think it was one of the main people, but it was one of them who was being interviewed about this. And they were like, basically boiled down to America. Thomas Jefferson said, if there are any laws that go against like our, you know, liberty of what we want, then those laws don't stand. And so like, it's the it guy that matter. had the monkey on his shoulder that yes. uh, Jeff partnered with. That's right. When he kicked off Joe Exotic. So he based this guy is basically quoting Thomas Jefferson erroneously um and because i think what he was referring to was the declaration of independence as that, the document that, that finicky thing <laughs> right and so like this idea that it doesn't matter like every law is that i don't agree with or that kind of infringes on my liberty is not a law that i need to follow i was waiting for in the next breath and to quote martin luther king you know like <sighs> which i'm glad they didn't um but to me this is like it feeds into this idea that they're staunchly anti-government. And even the campaign manager for Joe Exotic was like, I'm libertarian. Joe Exotic, I have no idea what it is. He didn't really have any policy stances. I fed him what my policy stances were. But like- It was like the most sane of the series. Absolutely. Um, <sighs> but like, they're staunchly anti-government. They sort of have this idea of liberty. I, you know, all the freedom and this kind of is that part of the country, right? Like this is what you hear in Oklahoma. This is what you hear in Texas this is what you hear in Ohio that, uh, you know, in Florida, right. That the government shouldn't, it's like small government, no government. And it feeds into the, I have guns. So I, I don't need, we don't call law enforcement. One of the signs that I saw in the background was we don't call law enforcement here. We pull our guns. Like, so like, all and did you also notice how when, um, Saf's arm got, eaten off by a tiger joe exotic went and got a an emt um, pair, jacket. emt jacket and he was like i'm the emt we're not calling anyone else yes plays into your point yeah so i just i feel like the whole thing is we can do it ourselves pull yourself up by your bootstraps um keep the government out i should be able to do whatever i want on my own private property like all of these things sort of feed and coalesce in these personalities that then you know you have on top of that this desire to, you know, be an alpha or to, um, you know, I don't know. I, j I just have to imagine the psychology of people who want to control animals like this and think that they can is it is a certain kind of narcissism that believe or egomania that believes that you should have control over these animals and that you actually do. When in many instances we've seen the animals while yes, they are, I mean, they're kept in what I think are terrible conditions and they are domestic, they're tried to be domesticized, like they're trying to control them and raise them from the time that they're young, they still will can't. lash out. I mean, you can't tame, like that's not the point of that species, right? And so um, there's just all of this sort of feeds together to me to be like the, the quintessential American exceptionalist, you know, if you want to know what American exceptionalism, watch this documentary, basically. And also whiteness, right? Like, that's ultimately where we get back to all this. Absolutely. Like, they couldn't, none of them could do this if they were not white. Like, yeah. None of them. I mean, none carrying guns like the way they do, uh, saying, oh, I'm only going to apply, this law only applies to me, that law only applies to me. I mean, the thing that well, it like, does, yeah. No, go for it. No, I mean, I'm just like, the ways in which white people right now need to continue to break down um, white privilege, white uh, white nationalism, white supremacy, and we don't need people of color to break down our own uh, whiteness. We need to be the ones that are advocating for this change. It just goes to show that uh, white people themselves are part of the system. I mean, when you look at the ways in which I mean, this everything that they hit the nail on the head, uh, Kirsten, it's like 
from carrying guns, from being able to have these almost like exceptions to the rules until they can't, like until it's almost impossible. Um, it's just the continued need for the why white people, white men, um, are usually a major part of the problem that we still need to f- finish. I mean, why they shoot up schools, why they do all of these things that we normally see, you know, and like, you know, now when, you know, a tragic school shooting happens, we're like, oh, it was a white man. And if it isn't, we're like, oh, right. But usually that happens less and less. And just with what's going on here, like, of course, it's all white people. You know what I mean? And they use the narrative of, of like martyrdom, right? Like they believe they're being oppressed by people like Carol who are trying to shut them down. They they think PETA is the enemy. They think the government and laws are there. And like they are being harassed and sort of play the victim in all of these ways, which I think is again, I mean, to go back, circle back to John's point earlier about conservatism, I feel like this again is another piece that conservatives typically like to say, which is we're being oppressed or we're the victim of, um, you know, discrimination and things like that. And so in these instances, all of these ways, there is so much privilege that you can definitely see, not the least of which is because they're white and getting away with all that. I mean, even when the sheriff of the town that Joe Exotic lives in is like, yeah, I was told about Joe. And I, but I just think about the number of times I know friends who are people of color have been like, I was just sitting at the bus stop and got harassed by a police officer. Like the fact that someone like Joe Exotic can exist in the system without that is crazy to me. Well, even the narrative of the series um, very clearly set up that all of these actors, or these characters truly believe that like, Joe got taken down because of a government's conspiracy. It wasn't because he actually solicited to kill Carol murder another human being. It was because the government and PETA were so intent on bringing him down. And, a consp- and you know, that was so telling of it wasn't even that there, it was wrong. Or the fact that no one in this series truly cared that there are more tigers and big cats in this nation in captivity than there are in the world like that did not become red until the last scene in the series like that is so telling of where we are in this nation is that more people were all like joe exotic and and Conspiracy and Carol Baskin and Doc Doc and like all we've talked about, but it's like no, <laughs> like we've created through commercialism, through um, big government, through conservatism, through toxic masculinity, we've created this space to where we're exploiting animals, and that doesn't even matter in the in the series of Joe of Tiger King. It's that he got there was drugs, death, murder, or Mayhem. potential murder. And mayhem. And it's not that we still to this day have more animals in captivity and continue to have that be an issue. The meme I feel like that sums up this whole up, this whole thing up, sorry, for me is that it was a meme that said the fact that there was a scene in this documentary series in which someone gets their arm ripped off by a tiger is the least talked about aspect of this documentary says everything you need to know about it. Yeah. Yeah. And we could speak about this for probably another six to seven hours, most likely. Uh, But, you know, we don't have that type of time, but last question, each of you, Kirsten go first. Is there a tiger King season two? I honestly feel like there is something because given that he is feeding information to the government and to PETA about all of his now enemies and the fact that Doc Antle's compound got raided in January, I feel like there's more stuff happening. I don't, I mean, we're going to hear more about it in some way, shape or form. And Jeanette? Oh, there's definitely going to be a Tiger King movie. Um, and Hollywood's already um, knocking at the door saying, I want to be Joe Exotic. I want to be Joe Exotic. So that's already going to happen. So we're going to be talking about Tiger King for the f- foreseeable future, not just because of Rona um, and that we're all isolating and we're all, all kind of going slightly nuts. Um, 
because we were starved of whatever we're starved of human connection human connection what's that you know of of actually going outside and not freaking out that you're going to be getting a disease but i also think that there is like kirsten mentioned like the fact that they're they raided doc antal's compound the fact that season two um Joe has um, work is currently working with PETA and is going is has said that he's going to give information on 30 other members in the exotic animal community in this nation, like 30 other people he knows of like 30. (laughs) So that alone is also something that we're season two, of course, and Netflix knows they know how to hook people. I mean, wild, wild country. Um, this series, all the how to murder series that they've done and Netflix will continue to, I, I hate to say it, exploit this as well. Yeah. And we all just really want to know if Carol Baskins killed her husband. I mean, that's no, we've already decided that it's, does Carol continue to create a podcast where people listen, where she says, hello, cool cats and kittens. Hello, cool cats and kittens. The best way to enter any type of podcast. I'm going to have to talk to Marcy about how we uh, introduce the pop culture theologians moving forward. Oh, my God. Well, Anjanette and Kirsten, thank you so much for joining us for our discussion of Tiger King and all things crazy about it uh we're so glad that you came on the pod and to all the listeners we'll uh see you with a regular scheduled program of breaking down westworld uh and the last episode that aired this week uh kirsten's been on the pod before about this i think aj watches westworld it is a crazy show crazy season i only watch it through tumblr um anjanette is on the dark webs of tumblr so if you would like to uh order a hit on anyone uh Joe Exotic or anyone. She lives in Fresno and or has just, some time on her hands. Right. So and, and know the secret fandoms that people want to ship that don't want other people to know about, but need yeah. to find a community of fellow like-minded fandoms. Well, everyone, with that, we'll see you uh, next time. Thanks for tuning Here in. Here is Bye. a fact that may make you stop for